pole dancer. Welcome to the evidence-based pole podcast. My name is Rosie Boa. I'm a pole dancer, pole teacher, and personal trainer. And I've started this podcast so that we can learn together, talk with the experts, read the research, and feel better on and off the pole. So if that sounds like something you're interested in doing, let's go. Hello, and welcome to an episode that I'm really excited about. I'm joined here by Teresa Rassicott from Reimag Gym, which is like Reimag Gin, but it's Jim. And the reason I reached out to Teresa is because they've got a history of doing circus arts and they're also a personal trainer. And so I think I was reading on your bio, you started being a personal trainer in 2002. The first pole studio opened in 2004, Pole Junkies up in Edmonton, I think. So you've been personal training longer than like pole studios have been a thing, depending on like exactly how you think about it. Do you want to tell us a little about yourself, your background, your story? you know how how did you get into fitness and i i don't know that you've done pole but you've certainly done like related movements art so a little bit about your history there yeah thank you rosie yeah so my spouse and i we opened reimagine like physically a physical location in august of 2020 our plan was to do that a lot earlier but that didn't happen um we founded reimagine in 2019 and before that, we were both sort of independently working on, you know, strength training clients and within the circus community as a little bit of a focus. And, you know, we've both been trainers like well over 20 years now. And we, you know, like the conversation over the kitchen table was always like, oh, we really need to create a space for people who don't see themselves in fitness spaces, but also then there's a, a bit of a crossover with fitness sometimes like people come to fitness and I'm sure this is very similar with pole. Like people come to that because they're looking for a way to move their body that doesn't feel like rigid per se, or, and will feel potentially more welcoming than traditional fitness spaces. And so we were like, let's open a space for all the people who don't feel seen or represented in in fitness, if you like Google what fitness is. Um, I'm a so thin cis white really woman eating a salad. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, I mean, how I found fitness was sort of for myself personally. I grew up like dancing and oddly enough, pretending I was a tightrope walker on our porch in the back. My dad absolutely hated that I did that and would often ground me. Because, I mean, to be fair, it was like 14 feet off the ground. I did fall once and then I never went up on the railing again, but he's like, you're going to fall and I don't want you up there. And then I did. And I was like, Oh, well, maybe, maybe I won't do that anymore. But you know, I grew up dancing and I don't think I was ever good, but I mean, I loved doing it and I did it off and on kind of from four or five until I was about old enough to work. And then I had to work while I also went to school, but yeah, moving my body and doing theater and all that stuff. And, you know, then, you know, you graduate high school and then college and all that stuff. And you, that sort of all disappears. But I found, I refound kind of this desire to want to start fitness through, you know, some friends who were like, I'm going to, you know, I made a resolution this year and I'm going to get in shape. And I was like, well, okay, let me go along for this ride, whatever that means. And so I did that and I realized I really liked doing that. And I really liked feeling strong. Mm -hmm. And then I also found flying trapeze shortly after that. And I was just like, 
really saw how that little bit of baseline of strength that I had built, like really helped, even though with flying trapeze, a lot of it also has to do with timing because you are on a big swing. But as you progress kind of through the skills, like they do require more strength. So I had like, I just found this like focus of like, these are the things that are going to really help me translate to more difficult skills. And yeah. And then being able, like, then just going from being a student to an instructor was really exciting. And then to be able to bring like my background of personal training to that, like kind of assist other people on their journey. Like let's get you stronger in these places to, you know, get to the, to the in flying trapeze tricks, you know, Mm -hmm. like get the skills that you want to do. And that, you know, transferred as I kind of branched out into other like aerial arts and stuff like that. And being able to kind of work with people who are doing all of those things and partner acro and all those other things. So that was, and, and, you know, my spouse is also a personal trainer and came into like, you know, we met and I was like, and I do this thing flying trapeze and he fell in love with it. And then like, just using that to like us, you know, kind of help, help people cross train, like build that like foundational kind of strength to assist, to be able to do cooler and cooler things. I have tried pole. Like, I think I did like maybe an eight week introduction. I found it. It's so interesting. I, we were just talking about it the other day because a member here is giving it a try and an aerial and circus arts has such a, you know, like, you know, there's always like, Oh, like aches and pains that come with it. Like this apparatus hurts this way and this apparatus hurts that way and I was like yeah and pole was really uncomfortable for me somehow and I couldn't get over it (laughs) yeah it's you got the pressure right that you still get with like trapeze and things like that but then you have the friction and like you have to have the friction there's no way around it so yeah I I feel Mm -hmm. that yeah the weird thing is is for me it was like climbing the pole felt really Mm -hmm. terrible on my shins because I have very bony shins and I was like I can I just use my arms because I don't know what this doesn't feel good for me, which is obviously not the best way to go about using your energy. Yes, definitely a specialized climb, the arms only <laughs> yeah. climb. Yeah. And and yeah, now with Reimagine, we've been doing this almost three years now. And it's it's just really exciting to like to you know, just have this beautiful community of people mm-hmm. who are all here working on just being even more badass versions of themselves. Like, so yeah, it's, it's really wonderful. The community we've created and has like found us. Oh, that's fabulous. I mean, from being a, an outside observer on, on social media, it looks like a wonderful community. And there's a couple things that you mentioned that, I mean, I sort of came at it backwards, right? Like I became a personal trainer to become a better pole teacher because I was like, I was also doing you know, um, aerial uh, for a while there, but like I haven't since 2020 <laughs> for some reason. And something that was really frustrating for me, particularly someone who was doing pole and aerial, is like in aerial, there was much more of an understanding of cross training and how to build strength and how to do regressions that I wasn't seeing as much in pole. And I was like, I know, I know you can regress this, right? <laughs> like, I know that there is a way to, you know, to build some sort of foundational movement off the apparatus that comes onto the apparatus. And I think that that dovetails pretty well with something you mentioned briefly, I think, 
after we started recording, but if not, if you are on YouTube, you'll see that it says functional <laughs> strength coach <laughs> in your in your bio. Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about what is functional strength and how that might look different for different people and particularly when you're thinking about something like cross training for specific apparatus or activity? Mm, yeah, great question. Thank you. Uh, you know, I feel like functional fitness or functional strength training or functional training, there's such kind of like buzzwords, but they're also, and also at the same time, kind of really important. I, I think of functional kind of fitness or strength training as building really solid foundational movement patterns uh, so that we can not only build like a really good baseline of strength, but also move well. Can, you know, for us, we're really, we're, we're like, Taking in that human in front of us and, you know, their first two times that they come in, I mean, always, but definitely those first two times they come in for a workout, we're, we're giving them a workout, but we're also assessing people. We used to do the assessment separately, but like knowing with the specific clientele that we work with, like that can kind of feel like, oh, you're kind of really like, yeah, like you're like really writing down like all the ins and outs of how I'm moving and that can feel a little overwhelming. So we create a work, created a workout that is like, here's like what we call welcome workout a and welcome workout B. And it goes through all of the foundational kind of movement patterns that you're going to do in life and in whatever activity you like to do. Right. Cause we all need to like squat up and down and hinge at the hips and like move our arms in all the directions and like rotate and do these sort of things. So we're, taking people through this workout. That's also an assessment to see like, how are your hips moving? Like how mobile are they or how not mobile are they? You know, we're, we're assessing where is someone maybe moving, like has too much mobility and, or not enough. And we're looking for, can you move your hips without moving your low back? Can you move your arms and shoulders without like arching or curling your spine? Or can you do this stuff? without your head or like can your head and neck do things without your shoulders like um do you know the different body parts and stuff like that as far as like independent of each other and and i mean everyday kind of capitalistic life doesn't necessarily offer a lot of movement for folks so you know figuring out like where you are at and then building and kind of creating a, a program and building a good foundation for people so yeah, like functional fitness to us is really like building those strong kind of, yeah, movement patterns that just are happening in our life. Like thinking squatting, like standing up and sitting from a chair, hinging mm -hmm. where you're going to like bend over, but not from your back and pick up something heavy or, you know, like use my core to like rotate and put like something heavy, like that big I don't know, 25 pound bag of dog food in your backseat or whatever. Yeah. And then for, for people who are doing, cause we do work with a lot of people who are a recreational circus artists and even people who perform locally or even a bit further out from local, we're looking, we're, you know, if they're, if they're new to us, we're still going to start with some of those, like you can't like a house, you can't build a house without that foundation first. So we are going to start everyone there. You know, that doesn't mean like, Oh, we're going to start everyone at like body weight squats, right? They're like, we're assessing your strength as well. So where are you like 
what's going to feel like a good challenge, but we need to build that strong foundation first before we get to some of those more specific things. Like we understand we all want to do the cool things right away. And if we jump ahead, like we might find, like run into like a, like a roadblock that's like a, a deficit somewhere in the mobility or strength that we didn't see. So for us, it's like really building that solid foundation first and moving towards the specificity of like what specific goal you have in on your apparatus, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of those, you know, foundational movements you mentioned, super important in pole, right? Like a squat, that is a pole climb. <laughs> if you can't squat, you're going to have a real hard time doing a pole climb um, or hip hinging, right? You bend down to put the pole on spin or static. Like you can do that with a hip hinge, you know, classic, you know, bend over, trace the leg. That's a hip hinge. So mm-hmm. just because, you know, you can do it in a gym <laughs> wearing pants doesn't mean you can't also do it in heels and booty shorts and that it's important in the heels and booty shorts. Yes. Yeah. Also with within pole and stuff like, like how is your shoulder range of motion just like with aerial apparatus like how far yep. can you reach overhead and still maintain really good core position because a lot of what needs to happen is like moving your body up in space and if we've got any sort of arch in our spine we've lost mm-hmm. optimal core position so really like for us like we often talk about the kind of core alignment as like a, a soup can, right? So do I have my diaphragm over my pelvic floor and I got my sides here, which you can't really see off just off camera, but like, you know, like, am I a good soup can? I don't want to be the dented soup can at the store. Cause you know, we've all been told not to buy that one. Right. So like, do I have the ribs aligned over my pelvis? And for most of us, that means like generally a little tuck of our pelvis we all, including myself, sit too much and like ribs down just a little bit. And how do we go about doing that? Uh, and it's different for everyone. And not everyone needs to tuck their pelvis. Some people do have like more posterior tilt, but like, how are we finding that on the individual in front of us? Yeah, absolutely. Also, for, for my students who are listening, see, it's not just me who talks about the soup can. <laughs> I'm not just being a weirdo. It's, it's a real thing. Pick your soup. Right? I'm yes, going with absolutely. tomato because that's the one I love. Yeah, there's something you mentioned there that I think may be perhaps a surprise to some people, perhaps some people specifically in the pole community. You said too much mobility, and I've definitely encountered individuals who might believe that there is no such thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe too much mobility, what that might look like, maybe some some things to think about if that's you, and how, how do you know if that's you? Mm, because we work with, I mean, yeah, we work with, you know, like, circus folk and dancers and all that stuff. And as a person who is hypermobile, you know, I I think hypermobile people gravitate towards like the stuff we feel good at, right? Mm -hmm. Like yoga, dance, like where we're going to, where our flexibility can like really shine, you know, like, and pole or, or circus. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as, as I've gotten older, like that has not really been helpful for me and my body badly, but, um, you know, through strength has really helped me feel less kind of like, Ooh, what's, what's my body doing? But yeah. So like, there's definitely too much mobility for things. Now a screening that we do with folks, if need be in, in a, definitely a screening we did with our circus folks when we were kind of working with people trying to move into the professional kind of atmosphere was 
assessing people's, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of active to passive ranges of motion. You know, like how, how far can I move your, your joint? And then how far can you actively move it? And that deficit between where it, it goes in a relaxed state and where it goes actively that deficit, like if my arm, arm goes like really far down, like just passively, but I can only get to here like that extra distance. That's where I can get hurt. So if we can get strong in all of those extra ranges of motion, it's that's, we're less likely to get injured. It's like that space where we don't have control that injury generally happens. Uh, we're never going to be one for one. It's never going to be like, oh, it goes this far and I'm strong all the way through, but we can get it closer through different exercises and yeah i i too much mobility in the joints means we also need to make the muscles around the joint stronger because again we could we're setting up potential for for more injury which then means we have to take time off and nobody likes to do that yeah. And also, you know, if you can move, let's say your knee <laughs> past straight, then if you're trying to do something where being on a straight leg is going to be where you are the strongest, you have to think about, you know, build up my body connection and be like, okay, what feels like all the way straight is not straight. I have to learn and put myself into the position where straight is. Mm -hmm. I see this a lot with, with students who can like hyperextend their elbows and then are like pushing on the pole with that super hyperextended elbow, which I have heard some folks say is okay, but I've also been given the general rule of my personal training certification that if you are putting weight on a joint, you ideally don't want it to be extended past sort of like that neutral range of motion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but yeah. if you're trying to get, you know, say for our handstand, your arm bones stacked on top of each other, so you're not constantly fighting, and your joints go past that, you got to look at it. You got to think, okay, actually visually straight. So there's definitely more of a, a mental component to, to mm. folks who have that extra range. For sure. Like folks with extra like range, like not everyone, but people who are definitely somewhere in that like hypermobile kind of sphere, you know, whether that's just like hypermobile syndrome or EDS, you know, like that you know, that is like one thing, but if sometimes people just have hypermobile joints because of something within their life, right? Like I've totally lost my thought. Yeah. So, you know, like there's to go back to where you were saying about the, the like load of a joint kind of in hyperextension, the, yeah, I, I, I want to see that good stack because you're going to be pushing on the, like the ligaments. Oh, I remember my, my whole point. My whole point was like, I'm going to jump back. Cause this is what happens with my brain. People who are hypermobile are tend to have like, like proprioception is sort of like, where is my body? Like there, I don't know why it does that. I read it. Why? But I, it's not recall it, recall to my brain at the moment. It's just like people who are hypermobile tend to be like, Oh, I'm in space over here. I thought I was in space over here. So that is a thing. And then jumping forward again to like this bone stacking is where we're most strong. So yeah, I, you know, even earlier this week when coaching someone on doing, you know, like uh, dumbbell bench press, like at the top, they have that hypermobile elbow. It's like, why don't we stop a little shorter than what you feel is straight, right? It's going to feel bench for you. Right. Or yeah, when people are doing, as you said, like standing on a on one leg and 
where you're going to be most strong is, is going to be from that bone stack. And if your knees hyperextend, like, yeah, getting that kind of brain connection of like, oh, straight is actually feels slightly bent for me. Mm-hmm. And as a person who goes through that often in my own life, I mean, like I get it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's actually, that's too straight. Oh, uh, and you, you mentioned something in there with, um, you know, that, that connection between, you know, differences in proprioception. Proprioception is your sense of where your body is in space. We talked about it on the podcast before, but just in case. Yes. And hypermobility, you know, we have really good, you know, epidemiological evidence that there's a really high coincidence between hypermobility and, you know, different types of neurodivergence. I don't think we know the mechanism, but, you know, being able to think about that and consider that is a really important part of being inclusive as a space and being like, okay, mm. you know, particularly in the pole space, right? We get a lot of hypermobile folks who are interested in pole, which is fabulous. But that also means that like, that's gotta be part of your, your thinking as a teacher. Yeah. That's actually new information for me, Rosie. The new, like that information between sort of hypermobility and neurodivergence. Yeah, that's really fascinating. But when I think about the people who I know like closely, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This like seems seems like my experience. <laughs> so I'm just reading here the relationship into the research into the relationship between neurodivergent conditions and hypermobility found that more than 50% of participants with a diagnosis of autism, ADHD, or tic disorder, Tourette syndrome, demonstrated elevated levels of hypermobility compared with just 50% of participants from the general population. Neurodivergent participants also reported significantly more symptoms of pain and dysautonomia, e.g. dizziness on standing up, than the comparison group, and this was related to the number of hypermobile joints. So. Mm. Yeah, pretty pretty stark difference wow. there in terms of that's, uh, that's cool ability. to know. Yeah, one of the questions you asked was like, mm. I think like sort of how I like how we screen for hypermobility or and this is not medical uh, advice. <laughs> no, yeah, like you know, like and I'm sure you're very similar to this. I mean, like there's the Baton scale, mm-hmm. like that you know, like doctors will use with you, like it's on the internet, which doesn't mean it's true, but you know, like. You know, and, you know, generally what, I mean, even this, I learned this from my physical therapist, like the, the scale is checking joints that are, that aren't meant to be like mobile, right? It's checking your knees and your elbows and your fingers and stuff like that. So, you know, our shoulders and our hips are more mobile joints because of that, like hinge joints aren't like meant to be like overly mobile per se. But again, sometimes through life conditions, like my finger has never bent back this far until I started handstand training, <laughs> but they barely went past straight. And then like, you know, part of the warm up is to like warm up all that stuff. And I'm like, Oh, look, now I have some, some more mobility there. You know, at me, do I need it? Maybe, maybe not. But so often, you know, we, if someone exhibits like they can just, you know, one of the screenings we do when people first come in and do that workout, those first two workouts is like a toe touch squat, like mm-hmm. bend over. It's a great warm up. You're warming up your ankles, your knees, your hips, your spine, your shoulders, your neck, like so many things. I mean, we're missing a few joints, but it's getting a lot of the joints. And if people just like bend right over and hands flat to the floor, and then they can also squat all the way down, I might see like, Oh, like, how far do your pinkies go? Can I see your elbows? Like, 
you know, or just sort of say like, Oh, has anyone ever told you you're like hypermobile or whatever? Like if I'm seeing some stuff, whether it's because they stand with extended knees or they just happen to be like, Oh, over there. And I see that their elbows kind of like excessively over, but yeah, I do use, I mean, I will use that on folks, the bait and scale, like if it's like, Oh, but from there, I usually am just like, this is why we're going to make you strong or stronger. Cause most people are already strong when they come in. We just make them even stronger. Yeah, absolutely. So you are a nutrition coach and something that I know that you've mentioned online is diet culture. <laughs> yes. Folks may not be familiar with this term. What is diet culture and why might we as fitness professionals just like take it and put it in the garbage? Mm, yeah. So, I mean, God, I mean, there's probably a multitude of definitions of diet culture out there. It is pervasive and everywhere. It's much like racism and white supremacy. It is the water that we are swimming in, most specifically here in, in the United States. It, you know, it is, it's subtle and, and also very overt. And, you know, it's the subtleness of, oh, in fitness, you might be like, get your beach body or, or it could be more overt where it's just like, try this diet, you know, like which most, a lot of places aren't using diet anymore, anymore, where it's more like this lifestyle, you know, it's kind of shifted from diet culture to wellness, but which is, if you want to hear a deep dive, go listen to the maintenance phase. But it's that subtle thing that like you stand at the grocery store and you see all those magazines and it's like the, the before and after pictures of this star, or it's the anti-fat messaging that's sort of just everywhere. It's really hard to like just pinpoint a thing, but it's, it really is everywhere. And the, the process of recognizing that I'm constantly being told I need to be a certain size to have value in the world is harmful and terrible. And then there's the process of unconsciously trying or, or consciously trying to unlearn all of that. And, and, and in a, a culture such as here in the United States, it's, I, I think it can end up being like a little bit of like, a couple steps forward and you're feeling really good. And then you're like, Oh, I just caught myself. And then, the, you know, you know, you've got those few steps back and then, Oh, you're making some progress, right? Learning is sort of like a kind of slowly get to keep pulling the like wool off my eyeballs on this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. <laughs> it really is. And I think the, the thing that's really, you know, opened my eyes to a lot of it and noticing it is there's no strong evidence that you can successfully lose weight and keep weight off more than five years right like we just there is diversity in a lot of human factors out there in the world and size is just one of them and there seems yeah. to be really strong evidence that that is just the case and it's related to a lot of factors including epigenetic factors right your family was there food insecurity in your family history socioeconomic things socioeconomic absolutely social determinants of health <laughs> but it's really good to sell people a service that they're never going to stop needing and that when the service fails, they feel like it's their fault. And great, great way to make money, not a good way to make people healthy and happy. No. Yeah. It's, 
even when you just said that, I was like, like a visceral reaction of like, yes. And that's, that is certainly how a lot of, a lot of companies or people within the fitness industry sort of operate. And, and I think it's maybe just like, they haven't had the opportunity to learn yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Like to learn about like this and, and how detrimental it can be. Right. Like that life in a smaller body doesn't mean you're a better human or more moral or or even healthier or even healthier and so you know i i I, like they are on their particular journey and for us like we're really trying to be like let's come here move your body to feel good feel strong and capable and you know like not attach that to like working out needs to like burn off the food that you ate or you know you you need to earn the food you're about to eat or yeah we just never talk about it in that way and it and because like moving your body should feel good and 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 make you feel happy so like that's what we're here to do and I think we do that quite successfully. So yeah, cause it's really, really important to us that, yeah, you just feel like move, move better, feel better and, you know, get stronger to be even more badass is literally what we're, we're like, come on, let's do it. <laughs> well, I think that is a great goal for anyone and something, you know, everyone can fold into their life in some way and really benefit from. So before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to tell people about? How can they work with you? Yeah. So yeah, you could certainly visit us at reimagine, which is R-E-I-M-A-G-Y-M.com and check out like, uh, we do have a couple different offerings. If you're in like the Metro Boston area, like, Hey, we're not, we're like, four miles north of Boston. We do have an online training program right now. It is, it has a wait list. So it doesn't mean you couldn't get on the wait list, but right now I also don't see the people who are on there necessarily leaving. So I also want to be very upfront, like, I don't. and then, but we do offer personal training, which can be virtual where you, and we have several times throughout the day on our schedule. I mean, we open at 6 AM Eastern time. We close at 8 PM. So we have some times throughout the day that if you wanted to do more, a one-on-one thing, uh, we could do that. And we also offer all of our group fitness classes, whether they're strength training or cardio or mobility work, pop Pilates, all that stuff. Like we have a, a bunch of different stuff. Those are all off- offered on virtual too. So you could, again, in several times throughout the day. So if you, if you have a Zoom, you could join in. You know, you can also check us out on Instagram, reimagine. And I, we have some lovely people who work here who like do our TikTok and do silly things there. So we're also there if you want to check us out there. We have a YouTube station, but I, uh, there's just too many things that I'm not very good at updating that one. But there are lots of instructional videos there. So oh, fabulous. Yeah. So join online, personal training online, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining, Teresa. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I will talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye.
so much for joining me today, Pole Dancer. This podcast is a production of Slink Through Strength, the inclusive, evidence-based online pole studio. So if you're looking for a place to train, either off-pole conditioning and flexibility, or learning pole tricks and refining your pole movement, you can find us online at slinkthroughstrength.com.